Podcast Fresh. Now this is a story all about how Wade, Cap, and Chris just both sat down. So we'd like to take some time, man. Chill out there. We'd like to talk a bit about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. All right, everybody, welcome to Podcast Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the review show, show number 55. Thank you for your download. My name is Chris Torres, and on that side, Ryan Acapello Mello. Cue that Mario pipe thing you do. There it is. <laughs> and I'm going to play it an extra time. There it is again. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've came twice. Oh, that's a horrible thing to say. The the uh, <laughs> the magic of, uh, of editing this shit in, uh, in the future. Yeah. But uh, here we are with Show 55. This is Season 5 Kickoff Show. Um, for everybody who downloaded the last week's episode, we did the Freshies 4. So thank you for downloading that one. We gave out some hardware on that show. But uh, here we are going into Season 5. Ryan, how do you feel about going into uh, Season 5 uh, overall uh, overall as a series? With Baby Nikki now, uh, New and Viv now going into Season 2. Um, anything that you're expecting out of this season that you may or may not remember? Um, just going in cautiously optimistic. Um, season four, like I was pleasantly surprised with it. And uh, yeah, I know baby Nikki now is going to be really prominent and or more prominent, at least than what he was. And um, I'm not looking forward to like anything specific. I just want to see like, now that we have the knowledge that the show was actually supposed to end in season four, I want to see what they did. Now I'm going to pay close attention, I guess, to what they did to continue this show. Right. And I think these first two episodes are pretty telling with like, you know, how can we expand on the characters even further? And, um, yeah, I gotta say like, like, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I actually like the way they handled these two episodes. So it's like, that's why I'm saying I'm I'm optimistic about it. I'm positive about it. I don't expect a train wreck. Usually around this time, it's like season five. It's like Jesus, <laughs> we're we're really in the weeds now. They did the ballsy thing of uh, making episodes one and two together. It's kind of like part one and then part two is the episode that you're going to be covering. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it looks like they came up with this idea to have this uh, you know episode arc uh, work around. You know, Ashley and wanting to be a singer. Um, very memorable episodes, I think. Um, and yeah, it's kind of all I got to say about that one. Yeah, I remember these for sure. Um, two-parters. I think they've done two-parters before when a season started. I don't know if it was two or three. Right. Um, and it, it's fine. It's an interesting choice. But uh, right. overall, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> it's just they, they chose to tell a story here that needed more than 20 minutes. So uh, I'm all for it. You know, it's better than to rush something and make it choppy. So, yeah. <clears throat> so at the end of season four, well, let's get into the, the plugs out of the way. So our podcast fresh on Instagram, Facebook and uh, YouTube, as well as on Twitter at podcast fresh to um, you can also send us an email at podcast fresh 2020 at gmail.com. Uh, before I jump into my review, I just wanted to briefly ask you, did you get a chance to take a look at uh, Chris Rock responding to the Will Smith apology video from uh, late July? Yes, I did. So this one is from uh, Cinema Blend. And uh, wait, no, no, it's not. Vibe. It's from Vibe. So let me just uh, correct that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is from uh, Vibe Magazine. So now we have Chris Rock, of course, on tour with Dave Chappelle. And like I was saying before we started recording, it seems to me like Chris Rock is uh, slowly retorting back in between his bits. It seems that he's addressed the Will Smith stuff on um, a couple of his shows, and so has uh, Chappelle. And this is Chris Rock saying, basically... You know, for those that haven't seen it, we covered this on the cafe on the last cafe episode. Will Smith went on and did this um, did this apology video. We've already covered it, but we we had our own criticisms of it. Yeah, Ryan, I think yours was uh, that the whole thing just smelled of like overproduction and and trying to make it trying to make it appear like it's this like organic. Hey, I'm just gonna turn on the camera and shoot. Yeah, but it's like. Don't tell me you didn't stage all that. Don't tell me you didn't have the lights working perfectly. Don't tell me you didn't fucking white balance that entire shot before you started recording it. And then he's reading the questions like he hasn't seen them like for the past few weeks. Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um... Uh, why didn't you uh, apologize to it's like motherfucker you've been rereading that same question in your mind for weeks don't act like yeah oh you know um so anyway i'm 50 50 on the apology you guys can go back into that cafe and uh and uh download it give us that hit and you can get the rest of our reaction on that video because that's what we do here um but uh in a nutshell i i i my final verdict on that was it was almost like he was apologizing to his fan base and his and his image and he even threw in an apology to like his family and it's like this isn't a time to apologize to your family dummy like yeah. you're not the they're not the real victims here um although it could probably be debated but um yeah so that was kind of my thought and your thought was kind of uh, along the same there anything you wanted to add to Will Smith's apology video Ryan I mean like I get the apology to to his family because he brought a lot of heat to his whole family like that's the thing it's like they're not i kind of i don't feel bad for these people at all but (laughs) for lack of better words i feel bad for his family to kind of having to deal with it indirectly because of his actions right like i follow jaden smith separately like i actually really got into his music a couple years ago and stuff like i think he's pretty talented so when he was starting to like kind of deal with people himself, it was like, okay, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, but it is what it is, man. Like you, as a man, like you need to know that what you do affects other people. And that's just what happened back to the whole video in, in and of itself. I believe one of the things I said on the cafe was he hired like a whole production crew for this fucking apology video. <laughs> he said like mm-hmm. the curse and all, like that's how I said it. And the fact that Chris rock calls him out here and says, F your hostage video. It's like, yeah, that's the first thing people are going to like kill you for because it's like, dude, you could have just got on your phone and just apologized sincerely, quick, even if it's not like it wasn't accepted. You do your part, just apologize and that's it. But no, you had to make it like so dramatic and stuff and classic will fashion. But um yeah, I don't know. The 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 apology video, I'm also kind of 50/50 on it because I think I I feel like he means well, but it's coming from a place that's kind of selfish and also like it's it's professionally written like for him those aren't his words like that is just his team is just trying to get through this that's all it is it's not like a, a, ma- a mano a mano conversation and that's my beef with it but when you're a celebrity like that i get it these things get in the way so yeah i'm not sure how much of that was scripted i'm sure he had his talking points but it does sound to me 
like he this is obviously like something that he had at least run through in his mind like what was what he was going to say mm. the only reason I, I would argue that just the um, just the scripting part is there are a couple parts where he like he screws up a word here or there and then he he, he fixes it you know unless it's unless that's part of the script that's awful this, mother, this motherfucker Louis says scr- fuck this up he's scripting mistakes just so it sounds more <laughs> organic <laughs> That gets way too meta, right? Oh, man. But uh, I'll get into the article here. It says, Chris Rock has seemingly responded to Will Smith's apology video during his set at London's O2 Arena on Saturday, September 3. Rock took time to address Smith and his July apology. According to Deadline, Rock made a defiant statement toward the Fresh Prince, drawing a line in the sand between them. Quote, fuck your hostage video. Uh, Chris expresses to the crowd. The comedian then dove a bit into the impact of Smith's slap. Yes, that shit hurt. He played Ali. I can't even play Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> and that's funny. For anybody who's not a boxing fan, Floyd Mayweather is uh, not the biggest guy in the world. So that, that's good. And obviously, Chris Rock's not the biggest guy either. So that's kind of funny for him to say that. In addition to Rock's performance, Chappelle also hit the O2 stage to give his thoughts on the infamous Oscar slap. Chappelle admitted he wouldn't have known what to do after Smith slapped him, but reassured the crowd that Smith wouldn't have enjoyed the rest of his night. Uh, <laughs> towards the end of his set, the Chappelle Show comedian asserted that Smith was wearing a mask. This was the most damning, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The Chappelle Show comedian asserted that Smith was wearing a mask for more than three decades. Quote, did an impersonate, uh, Will did an impression of a perfect man for 30 years. I just hope he doesn't put that mask back on. Mm. Rock and Chappelle will continue their tour of the UK and Northern Europe. The show will then return to America towards the end of September. Will uploaded his apology to YouTube on uh, uh, July 29, 2022. During the video, Smith took accountability for how he acted uh, during the 2022 Oscars and directly addressed Rock. He says, Chris, I apologize to you. My behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. The I Am Legend actor expressed, I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did, and that was one of the things about that moment I didn't realize. I wasn't thinking about uh, how many uh, people got hurt in that moment, end quote. And, of course, there's a link to the video. Ryan, anything to add here? No, <laughs> this is uh, par for the course. This is what you're going to get into now. Uh, Chappelle coming out. You know, it's funny. I've actually been watching a lot of Dave Chappelle recently, funny enough. Uh, not sure if there's some kind of correlation to this, but <laughs> uh, it kind of mm-hmm. lines up really well. And um, no, man, he's just, you know, that he's friends with Chris Rock. And you have your own opinion or everyone has their opinion on Will Smith. I'm not going to say he played a perfect man for 30 years. I think that's a little too much. Um, but I do think... You know, I I remember on the pilot episode of our podcast, I said, I see Will Smith as like a model citizen for celebrities. Like, I think that he always tried to do like what was best, at least for the, for his image, like to not, to not cuss, to not do anything crazy. Like that was, that was Will Smith to me, you know? And it is kind of ironic that, you know, now in 2022, he slaps another celebrity in the biggest stage of them all, more or less. And it's like shit <laughs> there goes that so now it's like everything's up in the air and it doesn't matter what he was for 30 years i don't really believe that but to some people like dave Chappelle, it's like yeah you know what those 30 years of you being perfect bullshit so yeah i don't know i don't have much to say about the video anymore it's like i'm just kind of ready to see what the next uh chapter for this is i guess like i just yeah. want to know what comes out of this i want to know when they talk i want to know 
you know, what's next for Will Smith even like, what's his next movie? What's it, what's that going to look like? You know, like I'm like, what's the reception going to be? I'm really interested in that stuff for sure. Yeah. And this is a really strange segue, but it kind of reminds me of, of kind of everything that's going on right now with AEW and, and CM Punk what a and, 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 that is. and and Hangman Page and the Young Bucks. And, and don't worry, people, we're not going to get into the wrestling talk here, but it's just, it's interesting how <laughs> when you blend like entertainment and real life, shit happens. You know what I mean? Um, we're kind of even seeing it in like the video game world right now, with, like Jim Ryan attacking Xbox and <laughs> and saying that whole thing that's going on right now with Call of Duty and then everybody's on edge. <laughs> everybody's fighting with everybody right now, right? So, uh, but yeah, you're right. Who knows what's next for Will Smith? I mean, we saw him sort of make a comeback toward uh, uh, social media. He kind of, you know, started reposting stuff again and things like that. So, at the end of the day, it is entertainment. There is you know money to be made but sometimes i think when you have egos and personalities that are as big as like a will smith or a chris rock you know these things just don't get fixed overnight and sometimes they don't ever get fixed you know so it's going to be uh really interesting to see what happens and obviously uh you know chris rock is in in no way ready to 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 sit down and and talk to Will Smith about this kind of stuff so yeah for sure we, we'll just have to leave it what kind of where it is yeah we'll update a uh We'll update everybody on uh, probably the cafe if something ever happens again. Yes. <laughs> so let us flip over to happier times in Will Smith's <laughs> life. We're going to go to September 19, 1994. It is a season five, episode one, titled The Client. Um, and again, two-parter. I'll do the first one. Pack, you got the second one. I like how before the we get into the credits, we start off in Philadelphia, which I did not think we were going to mm. go back here. But we're kind of playing off of what happened at the end of the of the previous season with Will Smith um, doing the two episode arc in in uh, in Philadelphia. It's been a while since I left the family and moved back to Philly. Well, yeah, I miss them a lot, but I got me a great job at Duke's House of Cheesesteaks, and like they say, life goes on. Hey, Smith. Yo, man, what's up? What's up? What does this contract say? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's right. Not Philadelphia. Bel-Air. Well, yeah, man, but you know, you know, my mom... Get the man. <laughs> Yo, Holmes, to Bel-Air. So, pre-credits, Will's adjusting to life in Philadelphia when all of a sudden he's taken away by an NBC executive who asked him to review the contract which says that it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, not the Fresh Prince of Philadelphia. He then throws Will into the back of a van and he yells at the driver, Yo, Holmes to Bel-Air, <laughs> which I thought was a nice little take on, on the opening credits and things like that. This was wacky. Um, it definitely broke the fourth wall, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I t- totally didn't expect that, but I thought it was a nice, silly sort of re-entry into the Fresh Prince series. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Honestly, like straight up, I I laughed hard. I because I wasn't expecting it. I'm like, okay, how are they gonna? You know what I was expecting? At the bank's house, we get a, a phone call. It's Will talking to Phil. Can you pick me up at the airport? Blah blah blah. That's what I was expecting. Right. This was just going above and beyond. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. It's like get in the back of the van. There's there's money to be made, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> We're back after the credits. We're back in the bank's um, living room. 
Jazz arrives. He's introduced by uh, by Jeffrey, and Jeffrey gets a quick dig here on Jazz. He goes, "If anybody's looking for me, I'm going to be hiding the silver." <laughs> <laughs> Which flew over my head the first time, but then I realized he's insinuating that Jazz is going to steal some of the silver. So Jazz is kind of pissed off at Will because he says that, uh, you know, his best friend was, was coming back to uh, California and he, or to Bel Air and he had to hear it from the streets. And that's and uh, Will's like, I try to get a hold of you. And Jazz goes, I know, I'm on the street. <laughs> He's literally homeless. Because I guess Jill kicked him out. Jewel. And at this point, we do some more of that fourth wall breaking. We see baby Nikki. He's now 14. No, I'm just kidding. He's about four years old now. <laughs> and uh, Will makes a gesture like, uh, like the baby's grown, which is kind of funny. And I had to rewind it because I didn't think I was seeing it for the first time. But Jazz actually says, who's playing the mom this season? Yeah. And baby Nikki goes, it's the same same mom. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. This was wacky. <laughs> um, it turns out that uh, Phil has bought a record store. And uh, Will Will wants to know, how much are we worth? And Phil just laughs at the we part. At this point, everybody's getting a turn to come in and do their quick little one-liner. Nothing really sticks out. Vivian, does, uh, Vivian says that uh, she wishes that Phil would have uh, given her some more warning because she wants to look nice. And Phil burns her right away and says, honey, we don't have that kind of time right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the second he burns her, he just moves right on. Ashley's happy that she can hang out somewhere now and Phil says that there's nothing stopping there is nothing stopping her from hanging out at his hardware store and uh, not Vivian but uh, uh, Hillary is there and she says that she's talking to her producers and she's kind of figuring out what persona she's going to want to have for her next talk show Mm. bro did you catch this part because Will makes a ball joke here we talk about the Alpecia thing with his wife yeah, but she's uh, she's talking to her producers about different things, about different looks that she can have, and will make some comment about how she should just go in as Montel, because of course Montel's bald. <laughs> God damn! So when you get a bald joke going here, there's a timely joke here, but uh, that's kind of the joke that they stick to. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I didn't even like make that correlation. That's uh, wow, Jesus. <laughs> Next scene, we're at the record store. And this is nice because it just reminds me of those just typical 90s record stores where everything's gray and blue. Kind of reminds me of like a music world here in Canada or uh, like a Sunrise Records with all the different albums out. Phil's record store is opening and uh, Will is just working on Phil the entire time. He basically wants to manage the whole thing. Phil sits down with him and he starts telling him that he starts to telling him this really long back in my day story so basically the answer is no will gets up in the middle of the story and he's distracted as everybody else is by ashley she's in one of those um one of those demo booths if nobody knows what the hell we're talking about here (laughs) they used to have like a cd player on a wall (coughs) complete with headphones that you would go up to this thing and sometimes you'd have the choice of like four or five different cds and you would press the button of the corresponding CD that you wanted to listen to. And then it would play back the music through these headphones. And you would just sit there just listening to this music. Right. And there was usually like a 15 minute or a 10 minute time limit where it would just, you know, it would kick you off after so much time. Uh, but that's crazy. That's how people would sample music at these, uh, at these record stores. And some record stores would even like pop open an album for you. Like if there was a specific album that you want to listen to, they would just like crack it open and you'd get to listen to it. 
dude, I cannot imagine bothering anybody to like crack open an album. I would feel like I'm imposing so much. You know what I mean? Like I cannot imagine doing that. Like, hey, can you pop open this Nas album? Because I want to give it a <laughs> listen to it. Be like, I couldn't do it, man. I uh, yeah, no. Now it's like that's crazy. But even I like. I think I got to do that actually. I think I, I was young as hell. I think it was Dr. Dre 2001. I was trying <laughs> <laughs> my seven year old ass was trying to listen to that. But uh, yeah, the guy let me listen to it. Yeah. That was like the one time I did it, but I remember this. That's, that's nutty. Yeah. 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 And I remember I was so fascinated by like being in these CD stores and looking around at all the different copies of stuff and uh, seeing the albums with like the parental warnings. And I used oh, to be yeah. like, oh, those are the spicy albums, yeah. you know? <laughs> but this totally brought me back to that. It's just a different time, man. Like, I can't imagine going somewhere and just standing there for like 50 minutes, like demoing that's an nuts, album. Yeah. You know, like that's, it's so crazy. And then just be like, okay, thank you very much. And like not buy anything and then just fuck off and leave. And you tell your friends you heard this song for. 10 minutes it's like <laughs> yeah wow. yeah i heard this song and that was it um we cut to phil oh just so so ashley's in this demo booth and she's singing along to this music and pretty soon she has this whole crowd around her like everybody's like oh she's a really good singer they're all like paying attention to her and will's kind of like crestfallen because like you know phil won't let him be a manager so he's just looking at ashley singing and then he's like okay she's not bad she's not bad and then they cut back to Phil, who's still in the middle of this back in my day story. And by now, like nobody's even paying attention, but it's so funny that it does get a pop from the crowd. And it is kind of funny because Phil's just in the middle of the story and Will is clearly, Will's not even sitting there anymore. He's like standing up, yeah. like just watching Ashley, which is really funny. We cut back to Ashley, who is now a giant green dollar sign, <laughs> just a dollar sign, just singing while all these extras are like paying attention, like nodding their heads and shit. And the funny part about this green dollar sign is that it's also wearing the headphones that Ashley was wearing, and it's also wearing Ashley's hat. That is the, so the best part. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It kind of had vibes to that uh, that episode in uh, season one or season two where um, where Aunt Viv goes into that recording studio and she starts singing oh, and yeah, everybody's right. like, "Wow, she's amazing!" You know, like she's singing to like Tina Turner. Yeah, and yeah. she ends up putting on a performance. Like, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden there's like a crowd of like twenty people just like all hanging out and shit. <laughs> just. Uh, just stuff from the 90s that nobody would ever understand you know like those create your own music video booths that you would see at like mm-hmm. i remember there used to be one of like canada's wonder and i used to go there and who knows how much it cost but you would literally go into like this recording booth and just act like a crazy person there'd be like a green screen behind you and then you would get to choose like what you wanted the green screen to be it could be no you way. like going down a roller coaster or it could be you singing and like the green screen is like extras like singing behind you and shit like that. Just uh wow. just a wacky wacky time. So here we cut back to the scene and Ashley's now she's like the singing green dollar sign and it cuts back to Will and he goes cha ching. So clearly Will is onto this uh this next thing. Do you remember these episodes pretty clearly, the ones with uh, Ashley trying to make it as a singer? Uh, not as clear, not clear, like shot for shot. Like I remember this part. I remember this part, but the whole, like the overall plot of it. Yeah. But there are sometimes there were certain scenes in the, between the two episodes, like the dollar sign. I don't remember that, but it, it's, it's awesome. It's funny. Uh, another one that I don't remember is how this is in my episode, but uh, the, the most jarring one was how Will sneaks in to put the tape in the cassette player. 
Right. I'm just like, what? How did I not? How do I not remember this? But yeah, the the plot of it is very memorable. Like it, it's always. Um, I actually asked my wife. Like I was like, do you remember the episode where Ashley's singing and Will's like her manager? And she's like, oh yeah, that's a classic. I'm like, okay, so it is a classic to like other people. So, okay. Yeah, I think people remember uh, Will Will being the uh, the manager for for Ashley, and I think everybody kind of remembers the part where Ashley kind of lets the uh, the fame get to her head a little bit, right? As uh, as we'll see here, we cut back to the bank's living room, and uh, Will's playing a demo of Ashley's uh, song for her. Will starts dancing. Jeffrey gets into it. Philip and Viv come in. They're dancing too. They're wearing the most ridiculous like tracksuits, that blue and red fuchsia <laughs> fucking tracksuit that the, the horrendous colors from the nineties. Although if you rock that shit today, you'd kind of be like, "Hey, that's that's uh, new, that's retro. Yeah. That's that's You're that's retro." Bringing that back, new. But trend. I think when you can, <laughs> but I think when you combine like the jacket with the pants, it's just like a such a nah, looks too much. 80s 90s kind of look so they're all dancing um the parents recognize that it is ashley oh it's ashley oh my god and uh will wants to manage her and then phil cuts the music off and he quickly says no vivian says that he wants her to focus on school and phil uh phil says that they should begin their walk he says to his wife we should begin the walk because baskin robbins closes at six so that kind of gets him out of there and uh ashley tells will that she knew that her parents would say no and Will says, what are you complaining about? This is all going according to schedule. And she goes, it is. And he goes, that's right. We asked. They said no. And we're going to do it anyway. So <laughs> off to the races we go. Next scene, we're at the uh, record label. The secretary won't let Will come in. And uh, Will always tries. The, uh, he tries to just walk in and charm his way through. But it never works. No. So he's always got to come up with some unorthodox way of coming in. Next scene, we see... Right after that, oh, Jazz sorry. comes. So, okay, so the the part that I described, I thought it was my episode. So it's this episode. All right, my bad. <laughs> oh, okay, so the the secretary one that will come in. So in the next scene, we see Jazz comes in and he brings a giant box with Will in it <laughs> as a delivery, and he says that it's a gift, and somehow that gets them right into the office of uh, Mr. Barry here, and uh, Mr. Barry's he's yelling at someone on the phone about getting an image award. And uh, he's kind of uh, attacking Quincy Jones, saying that, you know, ah, they give Quincy Jones the Image Award every week or every year, rather. Um, and of course, there's this giant box just sitting in front of the desk. A hand comes out of the box. We know it's Will. And he puts Ashley's demo in his tape player. And uh, Mr. Barry hangs up the phone and he stands up next to the box. And uh, Will tries to put the tape into his pocket. And then he almost tries to put it like into his crotch area, but that's when Mr. Barry kind of cuts off the whole thing and he blows the ruse. And Will reminds him that he took a chance before. And uh, Mr. Barry says, oh, you read my book. So Will's kind of reminding him that he used to be this cutthroat guy and yada, yada. So Mr. Barry listens to the demo, but he cuts off the demo after about two seconds. And uh, Will can't believe it. Will says to remember his face when Ashley's album goes double platinum. I just thought, I just thought it was kind of funny that uh, Mr. Barry he literally listened to this thing for like two seconds. He let the beat play, and the second that uh, that he heard Ashley's voice, he canned it and yeah. uh, and threw it out. 
Although this is an exaggeration, that's kind of how it goes. You know, like they really don't give these songs a lot of time. I would say you might get a minute or two at the most, but uh, if that. that's kind of how it goes. I went to school for uh, radio broadcasting and... When there are producers in the radio station, they have to select the music that's going to be played on the air. And so a lot of this stuff makes sense. It's like top 40 stuff. Of course, you're going to approve it and you're going to pay however much they're asking for each play of the song. But they do listen to a lot of brand new stuff that comes in. I don't know about now, but I know when I was studying radio, it was like it was like a very normal thing for people to just send in tapes and demos and things like that, and the producers would listen to it. And oftentimes, they'd have stacks of this shit to get through. And Damn. so, yeah, they would only listen to like a couple samples. They'd fast forward, listen to different bits, and uh, if you didn't make an impression, um, you weren't getting put into the rotation. So, the fascinating part about these episodes to me is. It kind of gives an exaggerated, but at the same time, realistic view of like what the recording industry was like during that time. Yeah, definitely. I think it's only gotten worse, obviously, because now like every like you could just do so much by yourself without, you know, renting out a studio and all that. I am a prime example of that for sure. Um, But even back in the day, it's like I always I was always told by people like oh if if it was like in the 90s you probably i'd probably have like a more realistic chance of quote-unquote making it or whatever but i'm like no like if anything it's like people were less willing to get all this crap these tapes and shit and actually put them in and go through it it's like it's it would it's just as hard man it's crazy that uh they would this was the process right so it's like barry this barry gordy guy it's like yeah, he uh, or Gordy Berry. I forget. I forget the. Uh, I know it's a play on the Motown Records. Gordy Berry and Barry Gordy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, he like it's another day in the office. He heard this girl. It's like okay, okay, I got like six of those in the back. It's like right. That's just how it is. Crazy. Yeah, and in the nineties, um, I mean, even still, the 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 late the record labels pretty much owned everything. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, back and, then, uh, sure. and you would just sign and you didn't know what you were signing up for it's like it's very easy to sign when it's like hey we want to sign you five album deal five albums amazing yeah it could be hell you know we've seen this happen by like the second album or third album you realize like holy shit i now owe you three or four albums but meanwhile i'm not making any money because maybe you signed the bad you signed a bad deal, you, you know what I mean? Sixty deal, uh, shit. yeah. You signed the the Sylvester Stallone deal. Oh, um, Jesus, we want five <laughs> movies, kid. I want Creed five. Um, <laughs> so sometimes you would sign your life away without reading the dotted line, and you know we kind of see this play out in, in in real life. Who was that artist? Was it Kesha that was owned by her record label for like the first oh, yeah. 10 years of her life or something like that? And then when she finally, I could be fucking it up, but fuck it. She, when Whatever. she finally released like the final album, it was like, oh my God, I'm finally free from these people, blah, yeah. blah, blah, right? Well, um, Logic, I don't know if you listen to Logic, but he's no, no, a, but tell me. He's a, he's a rapper. Yeah, yeah, I know who Logic is. Oh, yeah. Okay. He made a, for people who don't know, the, the 1-800 song about suicide, that big, that big monster of a song that popped off that year. Yeah. He retired like two years ago he quote-unquote retired right he was signed to def jam and he 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 retired but people around him weren't getting paid because he retired right 
So he literally has come out of retirement to finish his Def Jam deal so he could actually retire after. <laughs> so it's like, fuck. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It, um, in sports, entertainment, pro wrestling. Don't turn off the podcast. Um, <laughs> you can't just retire. No. You can't just retire and, 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 and nullify. You can retire. You you can you, you don't want to make any more music. You can retire, but if you're still under contract, they have the right to freeze your contract. Oh yeah, that you know you can't go out and just sign with somebody else or say, hey, I'm back and I'm I'm going indie, blah blah blah. A lot of times that doesn't happen. I've seen it happen in uh, in the UFC where guys will retire rather than finish out the rest of their contract, thinking that they can somehow circumvent the contract, and then it turns out that they can't. So they begrudgingly have to re-sign with the UFC, for example, right. and come back and finish those one or two fights so that they can then officially get, get out. out of the contract. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. We see it in WWE as well um, and in the music world, of course. Yeah. So what happened? Logic came back. So Logic, Logic like came out of retirement, quote unquote, and yeah. he dropped. Now, I need to like actually look into it i've been meaning to but i don't know if i know he dropped an album he dropped like an ep right but i don't think that had anything to do with def jam i think that was like just to kind of promote the fact that he was back and then he dropped an album so i don't know now if that album is his last def jam album and now he's like free but the thing is he's kind of fallen in love with music because now He's he's quote unquote free, so he's kind of doing the music that he wants to make. He doesn't have to worry about fulfilling any contracts. He doesn't have to worry about making people happy. He's literally just kind of doing his own thing now. But that last album that came out, he was already kind of doing his own thing, but it was under Def Jam. He just made something that he loved. He didn't care if it went commercially successful or anything like that, just to literally fulfill the contract and get the hell out of there, right? Yeah, sometimes uh, when there's no solution with with uh, record labels, they'll sometimes just allow you to or they will forcibly the label they'll put out like a greatest hits album yeah yeah, yeah. right they'll greatest hits you on, on the way out oh yeah and um, I'm forgetting who it was but somebody famously like they released like a greatest hits album and the artist literally went on record and said don't buy that album I don't condone oh, that album I heard this yeah I forgot who that it was is. just put out by the record label if you want to get it get it but I don't condone that album. I don't support that album. I forget who it was. Yeah. And it was because it was like the last album on the deal and they, they could not wait to get the hell out of there. I'm forgetting who it is, but it doesn't too, matter. Yeah. The point is, is that this stuff is just, it's, it's, it's all over. It's all over the music industry. And you're right. It's cleaned up a lot now. I mean, there's certain challenges that exist right now. Like uh, you get paid on streams. So in a strange way, that's forced some artists to make their songs shorter than usual, right? Because you get more streams. Yep. I'm more likely to listen to uh, a, a song, you know, that's two, three minutes versus a song that's five, six minutes. Or rather, a, a shorter song is going to get more hits than a longer six, seven right. minute yeah, song, yeah. right? So it changes the way people do things. But I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning of time and, and uh, it's always been sort of this issue with like, the record labels and the artists. I mean, look no further than like uh, uh, um, like NWA. Oh, yeah. Right? Like what happened there with EZ and everything else. Right? Uh, 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 Def Jam. I mean, all, I mean, you look anywhere and there's all kinds of these deals, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that have happened and that have, things have broken down. So um, that it was pretty interesting. 
Go ahead, Pac. Sorry. Uh, that era with like NWA, it's like they, they like Jerry, that whole story with Jerry Heller and stuff. It's like he literally threw $75,000 in all their faces because they were so broke. They were like, shit, money, sign it. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's how he got him. But you know, Ice Cube was the one that was like, nah, I don't, <laughs> I need to, I need more than that. And he was smart enough to like walk away. And then like going further down, it's like, as years go by with these deals, like they, the deals themselves evolved. Like when Dre wanted to leave at that point, like he couldn't. And then Jimmy Ivey had to get involved and it ended up being, uh, the deal that, that they ended up reaching between ruthless and like Suge and Dre was whatever Dr. Dre did for six years on death row. Easy got 25% of that. Like, it's crazy. Like uh, that's an <laughs> ongoing deal. Like it just keeps changing yeah. in and of itself. What the hell? Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's got to be infuriating, but uh, yeah, I totally get it, man. It's 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 the power of the deal, and I think Ice Cube was... Uh, I think he could see past the bullshit, past like all the nice parties and all this. It's like, okay, that's great, but when do I get paid? <laughs> you know what he, I mean? He totally You're just, showing me all this stuff, but when do I get paid? Yeah. When, when does the check come I in? I think he you just know? totally, like at that point, was like, I can make it like on my own kind of thing. Like If it's not here, I know I'm good enough to do it anywhere right and then right away he yeah. went to what did he do he went to new york he linked up with public enemy and yeah that's it he you know went solo from there and he destroyed but i think you're group. right <laughs> i think you're right i think when when, when you come from uh, uh no money or, or very humble humble beginnings you get that first taste of money you think like not so much that you've made it but like and I, maybe i don't have to worry about money or you know what i mean or they bring you to a fancy office where, hey, look at this Coke machine. It doesn't accept money. You just press what you want and it comes out of the bottom. Ooh, ah. Uh. If you grew up with nothing, that would be that'd be considered you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like if I went to if I came from shit, for example, in the early two thousands and I went to like, I don't know. Rob Durdick's house and I saw that he had a fucking monster refrigerator well all you have to do is press the button and a monster energy energy I think like this motherfucker is balling <laughs> yeah. I made it I'll sign right here meanwhile I'm signing my fucking life away you know what I mean just like, for a fridge bro <laughs> yeah man this is like wow you know like oh look at all these cars outside and I, and I think it's very easy to get lost in that and not realize like okay this is all great but where's my check where where does that check come in where it says like it's, here's my uh, money yeah it, it's tough to look at the fine print when the first thing you see is just a ton of money more money than you've ever seen in your damn life be presented to you yeah you know? like i don't know if like, i could walk away from that i really don't right like, i might screw yeah. myself later but it's like shit i could use that yeah. <laughs> yeah have you ever seen that television show entourage uh here and there yeah yeah, you would like it. It's a definitely a you show for sure. Yeah. I, I've seen the first three seasons. I, I kind of dropped off, but uh, it's just one of those things. I'll go back and watch it at some point. It's mm. just not readily available in any of the streaming services that I oh, have. Okay. But uh, I, again, and, and and not to get too far into the weeds, but uh, too late. But uh, <laughs> fifty minutes segue. But in that show, there are there are parts where it's like they address like shit. I signed a deal with the devil. Like I owe this guy like three movies. Right. And I can't get them done quick enough because it doesn't matter that you've now made friends and maybe you want to go do this artsy fartsy project with your buddy. It doesn't matter because you're signed to this giant company and yeah. you owe them three movies, motherfucker. That's you know right. what I mean? And so then it becomes like, man, do I go for the money and just Adam Sandler it, so to speak? Right? Just right. drop drop a fucking movie once a year once for a Netflix year or, or whatever. Yeah. Or do I go and I do something that maybe might not pay me the most, but goddamn, I get to work with my best friend. Maybe I get to work with my wife. 
I get to work with this awesome director. And maybe it's not going to make six uh, or uh, one point uh, one billion like the next uh, like the Top Gun movie. Maybe it makes no money, right. but maybe as an artist, you feel creatively. You know what I'm saying? Fulfilled. Yeah, you're fulfilled. Yeah, fulfilled, man. That's a hundred. That's hundred percent it. Like you, for example, like you make music. Like you might find more. Uh, you might get something more out of. Uh, uh, um, doing one song with like a really good producer or something like that and creatively fulfills you rather than, and maybe you don't make any money off it versus you're going to get paid, I don't know, two grand by Sony because they want you to make like a Christmas song. Even though Christmas songs aren't your thing, you can probably muster up something. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And at that point, it's like, shit, do I go for the money and do this fucking Christmas song? Or, That's the thing, Or man. do I, do I, you know. That's the it's constant It's so hard, struggle. right? It's a constant struggle. I don't know yeah. if like in radio or like podcasting, there's like something like that, you know, where, where you have to cross a bridge like that. Like maybe oh, we I'm sure. Kind of, maybe we'll get some kind of sponsor where we just don't even fuck with it. <laughs> it's like, do we do it for the money? <laughs> like, but um, yeah. With with music, it's like I've made tracks that I look back and just don't like because it's like I can tell at that point I was trying to kind of follow a trend or something, or I wasn't being true to myself. I had some lines that I'm really not proud of because of whatever the hell I said. Like. And I'm not making money. Like, this is just creatively, it's a battle already. So when you get money involved, it could really mess up your world because it's like trying to find that inner peace of like, you know, I want to stay true to myself, but I got bills. It's like, that's the struggle. You know what I mean? And I feel like, I don't know, I'm the way my life is now, I'm cool. Like, I'm good with like my job and and I love doing music on the side because there's no pressure like that. Like, I can make whatever I want now and just kind of go with it. Whereas once you get money involved in in the thing you love, that's when you start getting tested and it's like, okay, or what kind of person am I really? Like, am I going to sell out to my own, to myself or am I going to actually believe in myself, believe in what I love and like try to make money? Like if the money comes, the money comes, but can I actually pull off being genuine and actually making a living off of it. That's the dream right there. I don't, as much as I would love to be a music star and stuff, I would never make music. I don't like, that's the thing. Like, I don't care. It's not, you could give me the money. If I don't feel like I can do it, it's just, I'm not going to take it because like the Christmas, I can't make a Christmas song. Like I could, but it would be so weird. So it's like, you yeah, know, I, I would decline that offer right away. Cause I'm like, okay, no, cause I'd rather honestly just be true to myself. People can call me an idiot. Older people, for example, that know I do music, think that I'm not applying myself enough. They they just don't know how hard this shit is. So we have these conversations sometimes where it's like, why don't you do something like this? Why don't you do a song in like Portuguese? Why don't you do a Portuguese album? Go to the, the market over there. It's like, dude, because I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> like, I can't just do that. You know what I mean? I did one Portuguese song just out of a joke and I can't even listen to it because it's like, that's just not me. It's not my thing. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's yeah. enough about me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true, man. It, yeah, no, 100%. So I do like how this episode, I mean, in broad strokes, right? It is a 22-minute uh, comedy show. But uh, it is fascinating how, even though it's completely over-exaggerated with uh, Mr. Barry here, it kind of is kind of how it goes. Yeah, it, and it's, it's a... Uh like looking in the uh those fun house mirrors <laughs> yeah it's exaggerated but this is real like this this happens it's exaggerated but it's real and 
Like I said, that Kesha thing just scared the shit out of me when I read that. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, how can they like fucking own you like that? You know what I mean? Um, Britney Spears, another one that like her parents oh, pretty much Christ. ran her entire life. Yeah. Not just like uh, the albums in her career, but like her life. Like they determine how much money she gets to have every month, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's fucking crazy. And she just got out of that now. Yeah. She's my age. Or she's a little younger than me. I think she's like 35, 36. But um, just to see that I, stuff is still happening today. Oh, yeah. This isn't that much of an exaggeration. You know what I'm have saying? You, have you ever heard back in like 20, 2011, I'd say, 2010, there was this uh, female rapper named Krayshawn. Do you, do you know her at all? Uh, no, I don't actually. Okay. Know. She had one one mega hit. It was like nominated for a Grammy and stuff, right? It was called Gucci Gucci. Gucci Gucci is the one song. It's got tons of views on YouTube, right? Whatever deal she signed, she somehow owes millions of dollars. And what? Oh yeah, and people that listen to that song, she came out and said, like, I don't make any money from that song. I'm like, wow, you signed a horrible deal there. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Horrible. Wow. Is she uh does she still uh does she still put out albums and stuff? I don't, or is I she don't like I think so, no. No. Wow. I think she tried to follow up that song and stuff, but like ultimately she just never really got mainstream like that besides that song yeah. mm-hmm. and she just ended up in tons and tons of debt that that she'll never be able to pay off like it's crazy that's tough yeah that's tough that, that's that's yeah that's that's uh signing a shitty deal mm-hmm. wow okay so let's uh go back to a quick recap here so will uh went into this producer's office played ashley's music he turned the, the producer dude Mr. Barry, Barry, uh, Mr. B.O. Barry, he uh, turned off the music and then Will came back in and uh, he dissed his Jerry Curls. So the Jerry Curl dissed there. Next scene, we're in the recording studio. A quick edit there. It's not the recording studio. It's a radio station. And uh, Johnny C is there. Johnny C, I guess he's the uh, the, uh, the, the DJ. And uh, Will's there. They shake hands. And uh, Will's like, oh, thank you so much for hooking it up. And Johnny C says, no problem. Will hands him the tape. And Johnny C says that he needs the universal lubricant. And Will kind of looks at him like, what? And Johnny C's like, cash. <laughs> and Will says, ah, forget it. Plus, you know, it's your last day, you know. And Johnny C's like, what? And uh, Will tells him that uh, he was up on the twenty uh, 24th floor. And it looks like they're going to get rid of him. So Will's there playing like janitor guy. Yeah. And uh, Johnny C's like, what? I'll, I'll, I'll get to the uh, bottom of this. So Johnny C leaves to investigate. And Will immediately takes over the radio station, starts playing Ashley's tape. And Will answers the phones, pretending to uh, take different callers, including a Tony Montana sounding guy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Jesus. He's done that before, <laughs> but like, my yeah. God. <laughs> he pretends to be Tony Montana. And then he comes back and he goes, well, that was, uh, that was amazing. We've now played that song for a record 11 times in a row. And uh, Will answers a caller about a tour date, and he says that she'll be performing Friday at the Peacock. So Will, Will doing the good work here gets Ashley the big gig here. We're going back to the Peacock. Uh, 
not much to that last scene. It kind of was what it was. I like the stuff with the Tony Montana thing, but aside from that, you know, little scene there just to establish the the next part of this story. Classic gag. I do like <clears throat> when he sends Johnny C away. He tells him to take the stairs. <laughs> Oh, I missed that. Nice. He's like, hey, man, take the stairs to buy him more time. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. I do like that. I do like he that. He says the elevator was down or something. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so buys himself some extra time. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you figure they played that song 11 times in a row, and that song's about three minutes long, and I would imagine uh, Will's putting the commercials in there, um, then he's playing her music for over an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So next scene, we're back at the Peacock uh, no Tyra Banks this time, unfortunately. Uh, they got a full house there. Mr. Barry's there in the crowd. And uh, Will goes over to Ashley, who's nervous as balls. Will tells her the lay of the land, telling her that this is the single most important moment of her life, her career, his life, his career. And then it says, well, you need to relax. So he kind of tells her to relax after pretty much telling her that this is the biggest moment of her life. The music starts up, but for whatever reason, Mom Spaghetti, Ashley freezes up. She's not able to perform. Uh, Ryan, this must be giving you anxiety watching this, knowing this is, that you got to go perform tomorrow. This is awful. <laughs> Thank you so much for making me do this today. So Ashley, <laughs> Ashley freezes up. Will goes over to talk to her, and Ashley's completely frozen. Um they decide to uh, to give her a hand here. So Ashley starts singing again. She's off to a better start. Will and Carlton stand behind her. At first, they're just kind of swaying side to side. Then they start snapping their fingers. Then they're full on dancing right back and forth. Oh, and yeah. they're doing a little turnaround. And of course, Carlton has to go completely overboard. And he starts <laughs> going crazy, dancing against the wall. Uh, <laughs> Will's trying to like snap some sense back into him. It's at this point that Phil and Vivian arrive at the Pikachu. And in a nice little funny moment, Phil starts chasing the boys around the peacock. I like how Phil goes up on stage for a quick moment, so he has to do like a little dance. <laughs> like, like, hey, nothing to see here. Just a background dancer, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, the performance is over. Will goes over to Mr. Barry, and he begins to apologize. He goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, you know, my uncle Phil, he's got... He mentioned something about Phil having like a piece of wood inside of him, and and now he's got rodents. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't, I don't Did know. Did you get that part? <laughs> he goes, you have to excuse my Uncle Phil. He's got a, he's got a plaque of wood in his head and he's got some rodents in there. <laughs> but he says that uh, Mr. Barry cuts him off, says, don't worry about that. He goes, I want to sign her. And at this point, Gordy, Barry, Barry, Gordy, he's introduced to Viv and Phil by Will. And uh, Phil is not having any of this. And it's so funny because Mr. Barry says, well, Mr. and uh, Mrs. Banks, I am willing to offer a $30,000 signing bonus to your daughter. And at this point, I thought Phil was going to be like, well, hey, sign me up. And it's going to be like a really funny moment. Mm. But instead, Phil's like, uh, Mr. Barry, I'm sorry that you've wasted your time. Yeah. So he actually turns down the uh, $30,000, which is about $100,000 in today's money. So think about that. Wow. Will can't believe it, but Phil isn't budging. And uh, Mr. Barry says, well, if you change your mind, if you change your mind, the offer's on the table. At this point, uh, Will starts pleading the case. Viv's worried, but Will says that there's nothing to worry about. I'm going to be managing her. And Phil just looks at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? And 
<laughs> Will just says, by the way, that did nothing to help, did it? <laughs> and nobody says anything here. Phil oh, says that he's going to be, Phil agrees to it. But uh, he he has some uh, he has some uh, some additional rules. Number one, that uh, she's got to be in bed by eleven. She can't fall behind on her schoolwork, and that uh, basically everything has to kind of stay exactly the same. And Phil warns them. He goes, "I'm going to be on you like a shadow." And Will says, "You mean more like an eclipse?" <laughs> And Phil says, because of that one-liner, I'm going to be the co-manager. So now we have co-manager Phil and Will, Will and Phil. And Phil says to him, you better be sure you know what you're doing. And Will says, Uncle Phil, I know exactly what I'm doing. Wow. Which always ends well. Oh, yeah. And we get the to be continued. So we end off uh, episode there. What did you think of the finish here to this episode, Pack? Did oh, you man, know exactly where it was going story-wise? Did, did it all start getting refreshed? What was going to happen next? Yeah, because I knew at some point they, that she gets signed, right? So I was like, okay, it's got to be at the end because, you know, we're like 15 minutes in at that point. It's not going to happen in this episode, whatever the bad stuff happens. Um, yeah, but overall, like, the ending was great because it's like you want to kind of see this guy get won over by by Ashley and Will, right? Right. So the fact that he actually does go there and the Will's antics at the, the radio station actually worked, it's like, okay, things are actually going well for these people, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I also do like that the conflict that does happen isn't really with like outside crap. It's more of like an internal thing with the family. So it's like, even then it's like, it teaches you that, you know, this, this stuff can change you and it can cause problems. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a great ending. Trivia Facts and Goose, Gordy Berry was played by Oba Babatunde. I'm pretty sure Will Smith has referenced Babatunde at some point because that name sounds really familiar. Yeah. yeah. His last name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he said it somewhere and I missed it or I missed the reference, but I'm pretty sure. He's an actor, singer, dancer, director, writer, producer. He's done everything. Uh, his breadth of work is known worldwide by audiences of all ages, and his face is one of the most recognizable in the entertainment industry. His career spans over four decades, uh, and uh, he's a unique breed in today's industry as a triple threat and more. Oba's uh, comfortable in the expression of various musical instruments and all forms of dance. In addition to his award-winning performances on stage and screen, He's a nationally renowned speaker and master class teacher for adult and young audiences alike. Oba has been referred to and is considered a living legend and is a treasured role model to actors and entertainers of all generations. Central to Oba's career is his unrelenting work ethic and his pursuit of a standard of excellence in everything that he does. So probably the most well-respected, one of the more well-respected uh, cameos to be in here. Hell of a career, my God. And this guy's still working, which is pretty incredible. Wow. But uh, some of the credits that I pulled here is Daniel Harrison Jr. in SWAT, uh, Dean Fairbanks and Dear White People, Julius Avant in uh, Bold and the Beautiful, uh, Charlie to uh, Thorne in Half and Half. He was Principal Howard Green in Dawson's Creek. He was the director on uh, one episode of Friends, and he's done a tons of other shit, including video games, voiceover work, uh, specifically in the uh, in the Star Wars franchise. So there you go. Um, that's cool, man. I, I don't know that guy had a such a just a long list of stuff, but uh, and he's still going, man. Like he's still working, still doing a tons of stuff. Um, I haven't seen SWAT, 
but uh, on the uh, on the Raven podcast, uh, he's talked about that show and how good it is. So, mm. must be pretty good. Damn, I the only thing from here is I do remember the episode of Friends that he was on. Actually, he, there uh, you go. He's a he's like a is he an actor? No, he's like a teacher of some sort, like a dance teacher or something. But I think it's for a movie or something. And the uh, Joey Tribbiani, the the character who is an actor goes yeah. to his like class and he like fakes a really like crazy resume so it says he like knows how to do absolutely everything yeah. so uh gordy berry over here he tells him oh your resume is more than capable of like leading the class go on i'm gonna go uh deal with something you t- you teach them how to do this dance he does an incredible like ballet dance right uh baba tunde over here and it's like holy crap and then he leaves and then joey's just like all right, well, we're going to do it my way. And he does something so stupid. And then when uh, <laughs> Gordy comes back, he's just like, all right, let's see what you came up with. It's like the worst. Ever. <laughs> it's the but, worst choreo, choreo in the world. Yeah. But no, once I saw a director on friends, I'm like, Oh my God, that's the guy. He, cause it's actually a memorable scene. Like it's probably in like a YouTube montage or something. Listen, Joey, we definitely want to see you for the callback on Saturday. Excellent. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay. And listen, don't forget to bring your jazz shoes for the dance audition. Uh-huh. My, uh, my agent said that it wasn't a dancing part. Oh, Joey, all the roles got to dance a little. <laughs> but believe me, with your dance background, it'll be a piece of cake. Three years of modern dance with Twyla Tharp. <laughs> Five years with the American Ballet Theater. Hey, everybody lies on their resume, okay? Uh, Joey? Joey Tribbiani? Listen, Joey, I got a problem. I just got a call from my dance captain. He's having a relationship crisis and can't get out of Long Island. So does that mean the audition's off? (laughs) Listen, Joey, seeing as you've got the most experience, I want you to take these dances and teach them the combination. What? Oh, Joey, come on, it's easy. You know, it's hand, hand, head, head, up, out of a ray, out of a ray, big turn here, round the jump, slide, step, step, and jazz hands. It's a stepity step and jazz hands. Have fun. Bye. All right, let's do it. best I could get out of them. <laughs> well, people. People, people, people. Let's try it again. And this time, let's everybody watch Joey. <laughs> Show him how it's done. Um, the character Gordy Berry's name is a play on the real name of uh, Barry Gordy, who is best known for founding Motown Records. Um, and he also played Barry Gordy in the Temptations miniseries. Uh, just a little quick little uh, sampleini here on Barry Gordy the third, born November 28, 1929, known professionally as Barry Gordy Jr. He's a retired American record executive, record producer, songwriter, film producer, and television producer. He is best known as the founder of the Motown Records label and its subsidiaries, which was the highest earning African-American business for decades. 
As a sing- as a songwriter, composer, composed a number of hits, including "Lonely Teardrops" and "That's Why." Shop Around by The Miracles, Do You Love Me, The Contours, all of which topped the U.S. R&B charts, as well as the international hit Reet Petite by Jackie Wilson. As part of the corporation, he wrote many hit songs for the Jackson 5, including I Want You Back and ABC. As a record producer, he launched The Miracles and signed acts like The Supremes, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, The Four Tops, Gladys Knight and The Pips, and Stevie Wonder. That's not a bad little resume oh there. Oh, my God. He was known for carefully directing the, his public image, dress, uh, excuse me. He was known for carefully directing the public image, dress, manners, and choreography of his acts. Gordy was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988, awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Barack Obama in 2016, and the Kennedy Center Honors in 2021. In 2022, he was inducted into the Black Music and Entertainment Walk of Fame. Wow. That was, so that's Barry Gordy the third. That is one hell of a resume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the opening scene after the cold open, the fourth wall is broken multiple times. Jazz asks who the mother is being played by this year in reference to Janet Hubert Witten being replaced by Daphne Maxwell Reed after the third season. Jazz also asks who the little boy is in which Will tells him it's baby Nikki who magically grew up three-plus years in a span of one summer. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, so, yeah, those are the uh, those are the tribute facts and goofs there. So, um, at the very least, a fun episode, I thought, with the, uh, with the Gordy Berry uh, persona here, which I thought was pretty, was pretty good in this episode. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was done really, really well. Let's go to the funny zinger, funny line. I have three of them here. Um, one one of them is uh, just playing off of that last part. Will says, hey, man, it's good to see you, man. And Jazz says, by the way, who's playing the mother this year? And Nikki says, it's the same mom. And Jazz says, who are you? And Will says, oh, come on, Jazz. That's baby Nikki. And then behind his back, he like does the expansion thing with his hands. <laughs> and Jazz says, man, I'm going back on the street where things make sense. <laughs> was that the end of I think that was the end of Jazz in that episode oh wait no no he came he to does, deliver Will he does deliver he does UPS deliver uh, uh, Will into the office a little bit later uh, Will says I'm telling you my boys in the studio were saying your vocals are all that and Ashley says Will I can't believe it I sound so professional and Will says hey you'd be surprised what our little creativity in the studio can do just ask Janet Jackson God, the so the Janet Jackson burn here. <laughs> so That's a this, this show's got no no shortage of just burying people. God. Janet Jackson, and uh, we'll get into another act on uh, on your episode. Um, and then, of course, the Phil dig here on Vivian. He goes, "Girls, Vivian, let's go." And Vivian says, "Philip, I do not appreciate being rushed like this. It's your opening. I want to look beautiful." And Philip says, "Well, Vivian, I don't have that kind of time." And that was just it was it was a vicious line, but. It's over and quick so quickly that it almost just becomes an afterthought because all the other characters are kind of just throwing in kind of their two cents into this opening scene that's supposed to just sort of reintroduce everybody into the uh, into the sphere. Yeah, exactly. It's not really like... I, I actually... Not that it flew over my head, but when he said it, it is so quick that like it takes a second to register it as a dig. It's like, right. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, it's a dig. All right, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pac-Man, give us your rating out of 10. What did you think about this episode? What worked? What didn't work? Uh, let the people know. Yeah, so, I mean, if we're rating it as an episode that is kicking off 
honestly like a new era of the show because it was supposed to end um i think it's doing very well because it's not rebooting anything it's just kind of continuing where they left off with a lot of the characters um my one criticism and it's not really a big deal to be honest with you but hillary said one thing in this episode and kind of left it at that so i feel like I get that this was Ashley's time to sign, uh, time to shine, but I almost feel like they don't know really what to do with Hillary as of right now. So we'll see how that goes. But um, no, I like the fact that they uh, they embrace Tatiana Ali's like you know talent for singing because she she is a singer. So the fact that they got to incorporate that with her character is really cool, and you know it gives a unique perspective. Like, what's it like for? the Smiths to be in the music business, so to speak. Like it's <laughs> right. It's cool. It's a cool scenario. Right. So yeah, I don't really uh, have any gripes about it. I think it's just the fact that it's a two parter makes me, um, hesitant to give it anything more than like a seven out of 10, just because mm-hmm. it's like, I want to kind of, I, I would always love to just kind of grade it as a whole episode. And it's not, it's a two parter. So I'll do the seven out of 10 for this one. Then I'll rate mine and then I'll give a score as a whole. <laughs> but, sure, and then uh, divide that in half, and you'll do a little bad mess. Fuck yeah, it. Yeah, and then I'll carry the two, and we'll get my answer. But uh, no, but I think the it's really cool. It's really entertaining and uh, very memorable. Classic episode. My wife knew what I was talking about, so if she knows what I'm talking about, then it's memorable. <laughs> yeah, definitely a memorable episode. Um, I'm going to give this episode slightly less than that. I'm going to give it a, a six out of ten. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the episode. I just think as a as, as a comedy episode, it wasn't the most funniest episode I've ever seen. Right. Not that the, the first episode of season five needs to be the funniest. Um, but I think, just like you were saying, I think this episode more in line helps to establish an overall arc of a story that's going to get paid off in your episode. I like some of the tropes that they did in this episode. Um, there was that one part, I didn't even mention it, but um, when Will gets delivered into the office of Mr. Barry, uh, there's a part where Barry walks over and in anger starts pounding on top of the box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you see the box just collapse. <laughs> he got knocked out. Because <laughs> Will got knocked out. I thought that was really funny. So some of that stuff was good. Uh, Phil's dig on Vivder about we don't have that kind of time. That was kind of funny. And I really liked, um, I really liked Carlton and, uh, and Will just being background dummies for, for Ashley. But I don't know. I thought it was an okay episode. It was just not, just not the most memorable thing. Um, I did like, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Barry O, the, uh, the, the record producer man. But uh, I, I thought it was an okay episode. There's nothing really that was uh, glaringly missing from here. I just thought, you know, it was okay. And uh, as far as an episode one goes, I'm going to give it a, a six out of ten. There you go. Yeah, I think it, you need both parts to really form an opinion on this one. It's just not over yet, you know? <laughs> it's not over yet, no. Uh, but we will get into the your episode uh, right after this little break ski. Okay, season five, episode two, titled What's Will Got to Do With It? September 19th, 1994. 
just for the audience, if you're following along with these episodes, you might encounter some mix up with these titles. Like in, in some cases, the first one is called what's will got to do with it. And the second one is the client. I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, right. Yeah, it is what it is. So did they, so did they air both these episodes on the same day? I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, cause mine says September 19th as well. Oh, does it? Oh shit. Oh yeah, it does. Huh. They must have aired on the same day. And that's why... See, look, I have What's Will Got To Do With It, part one. And then somebody else is calling it The Client, part two. Yes, I guess it just depends on the country. That is wild. Mm Mm-hmm. Never happened before. Well, for the sake of this podcast, yeah, they dropped on the same day. So... (laughs) Yeah, well, um, Sounds good. Okay, uh, quickest opening ever. We just start with a recap of what happened in your episode and we go straight into the intro credits. So that's that. Uh, we start with Will negotiating on the phone for what turns out to be a bigger table. So now he's just, uh, you know, he just wants, he, we we're at the point where Will's kind of is a manager and now he's just trying to get stupid things he doesn't need. Right. Um, he threatens to take Ashley elsewhere and that's how he gets his way. Of course he tells Carlton the management gig is fantastic. This is, (laughs) this must be how hammer felt that week. He was famous. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That is tremendous. There's the burial of the other act. Um, yeah, because 1994, that's kind of already past uh, MC Hammer time. Because he was 93, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I believe he was 93. All right. Uh, he then gives Carlton the job of business manager to handle the money after Carlton basically breaks his balls about how unfair it is that Will's getting praised for controlling Ashley, which means he's not doing anything. Hillary walks in. Will proposes Ashley sing on her talk show along with Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston. And Hillary says, who's Ashley? Will's like, <laughs> your sister. And Hillary says, Ashley hasn't even released a single yet. She needs, she needs people. To, uh, she, and no, sorry. Hillary needs people to l- deliver ratings. Uh, if she wants, she can sit in the audience. That's hilarious. That's an indictment. Like her, even her sister doesn't view her as a star. Yeah. Just pure evil up in Will's office. He's about to have a meeting with Mr. Barry. Will basically proposes the Ashley North American tour. Barry says he would need a jet to make the dates, but Will says it's not for another few weeks, so he has time to get the funds. Barry says, you already booked the dates? Will says, no, like I got dates. Tina in New York, Beth in Seattle, and they start laughing. Uh, Barry proposes to shoot a music video for Ashley instead. Will says video is dead. That's crazy. Next, Will says he has a publicity stunt planned for Ashley. She's going to have dinner with Tevin Campbell. I guess that's some other celebrity kid. uh, Where she'll splash a drink in his face and call him a punk. Then they'll plant a story about how Tevin has been sleeping outside her house with a rifle, making Ashley America's favorite victim. Barry says Tevin is his godson. Will says, well, you could be there for him. Why don't you sleep on it? Uh, Barry says, we'll do. But you can tell already Barry's like kind of upset. Not upset. it's just other he's having thoughts now about will in this position you could just tell um before he leaves will stops him one last time and says i can feel it we're gonna make history barry says yes just the word i was thinking he leaves you can kind of tell that things are going to go sideways as soon as uh they wrap up the conversation that way um but yeah, I like how Will is literally talking about dates all over the all over the country. <laughs> the girls. It's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. And um, it kind of goes in the face of like, you know, what everything that he told Phil at the end of 
the first episode where he says, oh, oh yeah. we're going to take it serious and I'm going to be managing her career. Don't worry, yada, yada. But if you think about it, Will's kind of being true to his own brand because from the very beginning, he saw Ashley as a green money, money. sign. Oh, yeah. He just wearing a what he hat. wanted to hear. That's it. Right. Yeah. And um, I think part of the episode is we see the change in Ashley, but we also see the change in Will and, you know, how the music industry changes people and shit like that. Beautifully put. The next day, Will and Carlton are on the way to Ashley's studio session. Carlton's concerned that they're late. Will just says, listen, I run this. They can't do anything without me. They go in. Ashley is already in there singing, though. Will asks Carlton, who are all these people? Carlton doesn't know. Hill uh, is surprised that Will came, and he questions why. She said, oh, no, sorry, not Hillary. I don't know why I said Hillary. Ashley is surprised Will came, and he questions why. She says, didn't you talk to Daddy? This man in a business suit tells Ashley uh, that he'll handle it. He sends her to the uh, to the other room. The guy says his name is Jerry DeCarlo, and he was sent from Gordy Berry to help Will since this guy has actual experience. Jerry does ensure Will that he's still the man, and then Jerry tries to send Will on a goose chase, but Will stops him. Phil walks in, tells Jer to take a breather so he can talk to him, which I love that part. He didn't say Jerry. He said Jer, and Will already mm-hmm. got upset by it. He's like, Jer. Uh, Phil basically says Will is no longer in charge And uh, Ashley and Carlton Are eavesdropping on the other end So like in recording studios You have the button where you can listen into the the booth Uh, Ashley or Carlton is actually holding the button To listen to that part So he's listening to them argue uh, next day, we see Will. Or uh, anyway, no, let me get back into that. Actually, they're arguing, and it's like so animated. Like Will is just going nuts with his his motions and stuff, and they're having this heated debate. And Phil just basically says, "You're not in charge anymore." And that's it. Uh, and then the next day, we see Will laying down on his office desk. So this guy's already like in shambles. The place is a mess. He's listening to the radio, and Ashley's song comes on. He gets up and shuts it off. It still plays. He disconnects it from the wall, removes all these compartments. It's still playing. And then he ends up like destroying it to stop it. And then Phil walks in at that moment. Uh, He tells Will to come home. Will's reluctant. Phil feels bad. He tells Will that he was just doing what's best for Ashley. Will says, you can push me out and take everything over, but we both know I made Ashley Banks. And Phil says, oh, well, I could have sworn Vivian I had something to do with it. (laughs) That's a good line. I really like that one. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, right now Will is like, he went from like hero to zero in literally minutes and now it's like, he, you know, his, uh, his money is falling apart. It doesn't seem like he's making the, the cash. Um, his fancy office is about to be taken away. what do you think? Is this just too fast? Like, I feel like it's moving way too fast. Yeah. I actually thought we were approaching the end of the episode the first time I watched this. Um, mm-hmm. but then there's this whole other thing at the end. I guess, you know, they're trying to tell the story in 22 minutes to get in and get out. But, yeah, there's nothing nefarious here. It's just Phil decides that his daughter can be managed by better people. Kind by of thing, actual right? people. That's, yeah. Right, by actual people. And um, it's hard to feel sorry for Will. Like, he's living out of his office now and shit like that. But, like, <laughs> he kind of did it to himself. You know, he didn't take the, the thing serious. And that's kind of what happened. So, um, yeah, I did, I did kind of find that funny. That he's living out of his office now because that's all he's got left. 
It's just funny because he has a house he could go to, but he's living out of Right, but he's so stubborn, especially, I guess he's kind of mad at Phil because they took Ashley away from his control, so to speak. Right. Took out the money. His management, yeah. Mr. Wiseman walks in. Will says, can't you see I'm in the middle of a meeting? And Wiseman says, you have no meeting. Your lease ran out last week. I want you out by the end of today. Will looks at Phil and says, can I, can I still come home? Phil teases back. <laughs> home? I thought you had no home. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, Will kind of gave this to, a, to Phil when yeah. the conversation first happened. And so uh, Phil feeds it back to him. He goes, home? I thought you had no home. Yeah. So he goes, Uncle Phil. He goes, uncle? I'm not your uncle. He goes, uh, can we go home? He goes, home? I thought you had no home. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps And going. then Will's like... Where's your car? And Phil's like, car? I have no car. He goes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was really good. Good exchange right there. I like, uh, I like Phil in that scene. Back at the Banks house, we see Phil and Will walk in. Vivian sees him and greets him. And Will says, ah, you missed me? And Vivian says, of course. It's hard to smack you upside your head when you're not here. <laughs> That was a good line, too. Vivian showing some feistiness. Will asks Phil, I thought everyone wanted me back. And Phil calms Vivian down and says, we can't blame him for what's happened to Ashley. And this is the uh, this is interesting. Will's like, what happened? Vivian says, her contract has gone to her head. Phil tries to defend her and says, the new, manager, the new managers are putting a lot of pressure on her, and she's trying to manage. Vivian says, glad you're okay with this because I don't like it. Will asks Jeffrey if uh, Ashley's really that bad. And Jeffrey says, I'm afraid so. Perhaps later on we could pour some water on her and watch her melt, which I thought was funny, but like really random. Yeah. Well, I kind of like it. It's the uh, kind of the Wizard of Oz reference there. It is interesting to note that now the parents are split. There's a split between the parents as to what's going on. Whereas Phil is kind of like, well, you know, she's doing the best she can and she's under a lot of pressure and all this other shit. And and Vivian's kind of like, oh, maybe we should pump the brakes kind of thing, right? So yeah. So now, at least now, at the very least, the parents realize that, wow, this is, a, this is actually trickier than any of us imagined. Will, Phil, and Viv, everybody combined. Yeah. Jeffrey seeing it too, right? It's also funny to note that Phil, who is super against it, is now trying to make excuses for her. Uh, right. And Vivian, who is willing to give it a chance, is like, I don't like this at all. You know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, where the hell was I? In walks Ashley with Carlton holding all her crap behind her. She's acting like a, scare, a stereotypical quote unquote star. So she's got the uh, the sunglasses. She takes them off. Oh, where's my sandwich? Where's my whatever it is? Like, she's just, you know, typical. She tells Will not to be mad because she's thanking him on uh, her album cover because Will kind of goes to her like, what about all the stuff I did to get you here? Like, and she, she's like, I'm going to thank you on my album cover. And Will gives her, gives like a, like a smirk, like a devious ass smirk and walks away. Hillary walks up to her and she proposes an idea, which was actually Will's uh, from earlier about how she could, you know, sing alongside Aretha and Whitney and all that. And then, uh, Ashley tells her that her managers have this idea of where she only does important shows. And there's the, the Hillary burn from uh, Ashley there. And then Carlton mentions how Ashley has to mentally prepare and rest up for an appearance at her dad's record store. She then leaves after Jeffrey gives her a water bottle and of course yells for Carlton to get the door, even though she can totally get the door, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing this right now. 
Will goes outside to talk to Ashley, who's on the chair now. She says that she never meant to fire him and that she would have uh, she would have paid him a token salary while someone else did the real work. <laughs> Will snaps and says, I discovered you. Ashley says, don't think I'm not grateful, but it's time to take my career to the next plateau. And let's face it, you're small potatoes. Will says, I'll show you how small <laughs> my potatoes are. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I got to say, Ashley's a good heel. Like, I actually was just, like, disliking her. I was like, God, this fucking <laughs> ungrateful bra- bastard. <laughs> Hillary's still the, the queen heel of the, uh, oh, the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. For sure. uh, show. But, yeah, we're definitely seeing this other side to Ashley. And Carlton's just so ridiculous, like, just doing everything, everything yeah. to keep her uh, happy and shit like that. So that's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, this is just... I forgot. Yeah, this is the part of the episode that I'm like, oh yeah, this this whole other part of the episode as well. Once they get back to the house, and you know Ashley's head is getting a little bit too big, so we're kind of uh, go- going through it before. It feels a little familiar, like we've been through this before. You know what I'm saying? In in other scenarios, yeah, definitely. Maybe yeah, it's like the yeah, same yeah. kind of formula to solve it or to get there, right? Like it's yeah, this yeah. isn't really you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'll you'll be normal at the end, and we'll all sing Kumbaya and eat s'mores. Yeah, I've never done that. Next scene, <laughs> we see Will looking for talent, and this part just does not hold up well. These girls are like going approaching Will, and he's just like, eh, "You're a little too big bone, girl." Uh, and then the white girl comes, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you need to get a tan." It's like Jesus Christ. This is funny though. Jazz brings in a girl, and she looks like Ashley. She sings great. And Will thanks Jazz. But then Jazz says, hell nah, this is my talent. Come on, Bashley. <laughs> so <stupid>. Bashley. <laughs> Bashley. <laughs> that was the humor I didn't know I needed for this one. I was like, that is so stupid. It works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was actually her singing or a recording, but she sounded great. She did. And we'll learn who she is after. Mm-hmm. Um, in walks Carlton. He reveals that Ashley caught him skim- uh, skimming money off the top, so she fired him. Some Jerry Heller shit. Her own brother. Will says family means nothing to Ashley anymore. Carlton says at least you still have your 15%. All I got was a promise she wouldn't press charges. Will says, what do you mean? I have no 15%. Carlton says you had a verbal agreement with Ashley. That's legally binding. Just ask Kim Basinger. Which, can you explain the the Kim Basinger? Because I don't don't know. Yeah, so Kim Basinger in the early 90s was... um, She was supposed to be in this movie... Helena something or other. The one with the water? Boxing Helena. So this movie was... This is crazy, actually, this story. Kim Basinger had verbally agreed to be in this movie. Verbally agreed. She didn't sign anything. She verbally agreed to be in this movie. Wow. She was the second actor in that movie to... Or actress. Because there were actors that also uh, bowed out of the film. Boxing Helena... It's an American uh, mystery movie, yada, yada. And anyway, she verbally agreed to do this movie. But then, like with weeks to go before they started filming it, she wanted certain parts of the script changed because she didn't like it. Right? Or she wanted some changes made or whatever. And when they wouldn't change it, she just said, fuck it, I'm not doing the movie. Right. So they took her to court and she lost. Like, it turned out that, yeah, you verbally agreed to be a part of this movie. Wow. And I think she settled for like $3.4 million, something insane like that, 
which is the equivalent of like $10 million today, or maybe a little bit more. Just a, uh, a crazy a story, really, if you think about it. Wait, did she, did she end up doing it? No. Oh, no, okay. She ended up not doing the film. The, mo- the movie ended up uh, performing poorly at the box office, grossing $1.7 million in the box office. The film received negative reviews from critics upon release and was widely considered to be of poor quality, despite garnering praise at Sundance. Yeah, Sundance is sometimes full of shit, too. On review aggregated Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a 17% score based on 35 35 reviews. Yeah, the original actress was going to be Madonna. She was slated to play Helena, but shortly before filming was set to begin in January 91, she dropped out, halting the production. The next month, in an attempt to salvage the film, Lynch met met with Kim Basinger to, about playing Helena. Basinger agreed, but closer to the f- uh, new filming date, she began requesting what the New York Times called major script revisions, which, according to producer Mazzaconi, accounting accounted to make Helena quote less of a bitch. After the production failed to make the changes to Basinger's satisfaction, she also quit the picture. Legal battles involving both stars then ensued. Eventually, Basinger was the subject of an adverse jury verdict uh, over of over $8.1 million, wow. which bankrupted her at the time. However, the verdict was set aside on appeal in 1994, but Basinger did end up settling for $3.8 million. Wow. So that's basically what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. A, Holy shit. A verbal... A verbal agreement. All because she said something. That's nutty. (laughs) She verbally agreed to it. There was nothing signed, but she verbally agreed to it. Wow. And she got sued basically for everything. I mean, the the whole production. So, yeah, that that is fucking crazy. So that's that reference there. A a three-year-old reference by this point. (laughs) Well, but I guess guess it was in the news because it it, it didn't get resolved in 91. That's when the original movie started to be made. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. Next scene, we see Ashley at the signing, and it is not popping. No one is there to see her. Vivian and Phil try to think of a way to direct people to her. Phil asks uh, this kid that walks by, how do you like your own CD? Uh, how would you like your own copy of uh, Make Up Your Mind, which is Ashley, <laughs> Ashley's <laughs> this song. This kid is awesome. This kid was amazing. He's like, hey, man, that song is weak. Last week. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker's dropping l- l- rhymes. Oh, I love that so much that just a typical like typical white boy <laughs> that song is weak last week <laughs> Jesus that's amazing Phil he walks away Phil goes to Jerry and says uh, who is the uh, the manager or whatever says you said this would work and he says yeah based on positive feedback we put extra muscle behind it so much muscle that they oversaturated the market and tapped out what does that mean kids got sick of her which is no different than today. If you oversaturate it, it is old within a week, maybe even less. It's crazy. Trust me, I lived through it in the uh, in the late nineties with the whole the influx of pop, mm. Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, and that just oh, brought man. everything. Tons of boy bands, girl bands, you know, you know, everything just became oversaturated with pop until eventually it was like pop just had a bad connotation to it you know what i mean yeah definitely um in comes will with a bag 
grabbing different CDs for his own collection. Phil says, what you doing? And tells him about the legally binding agreement. Phil says, oh, you got me there. So tell me something. How much is 15% of nothing? And Will's like doing this math. He's like, it's nothing. Ashley isn't going to be a big star as they as big as as big a star as they thought that she would be. And I can't say I'm not happy about it. Vivian says, me too. Ashley's in the back though, listening to this and says, nice to know my family wasn't rooting for me at all or was rooting for me to fail. Whatever. Wham, baby. She leaves and Vic, Vic, Viv chases her. Uh, Phil says at will saying, this is your fault. Will will mimics him. (laughs) I like how, uh, um, Phil and, 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 and will are like face to face and Phil's like, let me ask you a question. What's uh, 15% of nothing? And like, Will's trying to figure it out. And, and Phil goes, it's nothing, math whiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. That's amazing. It's nothing, math whiz. Fuck, that was hilarious. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah. This last, though, interaction, uh, when Phil yells at Will, saying this is all your fault, Will, like, Will just mimics him, this is all your fault, Will, and he runs away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in the last scene here, we see Ashley in the backyard listening to her own song. Will comes out and asks if she can sign his CD. That's very sweet. She says, very funny. He says, no, for real, you'll be famous at something one day and a signed CD would bring dough. He says, then if we, uh, if not, we can use it to prop this table. <laughs> Ashley lets out a smile. She asks why he's being so nice to her. Uh, she was being such a jerk. Will says, this whole thing got us all acting a little crazy. I'll tell you what. Why don't we forget the apologies and call it even? They shake hands. Will says, come here. They they hug. Both are crying. Carlton's walking in from the back, joins in on the hug. And that's the episode. We're done. The end. What'd you think of this? Very quick little uh, scene at the end to finish it, um, which I was perfectly fine with. I was afraid that uh, when, when Ashley said, oh, it's good to know that nobody was in my corner, and then she stormed off. I'm like, oh, my God, are we going to church? Yeah. Are we going to church already? We don't need to. And no. we don't go to church. Instead, we go to the quick little confessional here. And <laughs> I, think Will, I think Will nails it on the head when he says that uh, Will says this whole thing's got us all acting a little bit crazy. I think that's, like, that's perfect. That, that makes sense. Everybody owns up to everything. Uh, they shake hands. And, uh, and and they, they do the uh, the five-second hug there. And I think it's fine. And then um, it's funny when uh, when she says, uh, Will, are you crying? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I just got, uh, what, did, what did he say? I got a cold or something like that. I got the sniffles or whatever. Yeah, he's sick or something. <laughs> and then, of course, we got to bring in uh, Carlton for the hee-hee-ha-ha there at the end, which is I'm totally fine with. Um, because that's on brand for Carlton. And it's definitely on brand for Carlton, uh, especially specifically in this episode. So um, I had no problems with uh, any of that. How about you in the last scene? I don't know what accent you're doing right now. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I liked it. I think I uh, like this uh, nice little scene at the end. Just a little nice, nice little bow tie. It's fine. Yeah, because I didn't need like this whole elaborate. Like the, the whole thing is crazy as it is. Like a nice little. The fact that they figured it out themselves and they got to like just kind of forgive each other and move on, like that's that's great. So yeah, we didn't need to come to Jesus. It's just way too early for a come to Jesus. The damn season just started. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, trivia facts and goofs. Tatiana Ali's real life sister Anastasia Ali plays Ashley's this, lookalike Bashley. <laughs> that's crazy. 
I didn't even notice this. I mean, when I was watching the episode, I'm like, okay, she she looks like Ashley. Yeah. But it wasn't until the end credits where I saw uh, another Ali, not Tatiana Ali, yeah. but a different Ali, Anastasia Ali. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, they casted like a lookalike. They were looking, probably looked for a bunch of girls. But no, I didn't, not for one second think, oh, it's her sister. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. That's funny. I wonder if we'll see her again. That'd be cool. Maybe an episode where they clone Ashley or something. Um, that sounds okay horrible. That. Don't do that. No, don't. No, we're not. No, that's why I want to see like an off the wall episode. <laughs> we don't need to go to Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. uh, this is the 100th episode of the series, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, 100 in. Very nice. We've, we've talked about 100 episodes. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some of this might be rehashed from yours. Gordy Berry, a take on real life Barry Gordy, was played by Oba Babatunde. Or Babatunde. He also played Barry Gordy in the Temptations miniseries. All right. The title is based off of What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner, of course. Uh, the landlord for Will's office is played by Norman Fell. After he tells Will that his lease is up and wants him out, he comments that he... Uh, that he has the worst luck with tenants. Norman Fell previously co-starred in Three's Company as Mr. Roper, one of the most iconic landlords in TV history. So they got the perfect wow. guy. <laughs> yeah, that one was over my head. I was not, uh, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not Three Companies old. You're not that old. Mr. Roper, one of the most iconic landlords in uh, TV history. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, David Bowe, who plays Jerry DiCarlo in this episode, previously appeared as the director of the Belle Biv DeVoe video in the season two episode, The Butler Did It. Oh! Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? Wow. God damn, I knew he was familiar. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a great episode. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Hey, you, you know how kids get, you know, immature trying to get in front of the camera? I'm, I'm sorry, man. Okay. Sorry, guys. Really, I am great. Monday, right? Monday. And action. And you are so What do you two think you're doing? I was trying to get up to my room. Hey, Todd, what was you doing? I I I was trying to be in the video. And my favorite trivia, Gordy Berry's two clients in the scene where he meets with Will are meant to be lookalikes of Rob uh, Pilatus and R- yeah. Fab Morvan of the music group Millie Vanilli. It's fitting that they cast imposters to play the duo as Millie Vanilli previously gained infamy in the early 90s for being imposters themselves when it was discovered that uh, they had been lip syncing during their live performances and were not actually the singers of their Grammy winning album. You know, I thought, because Will has buried these guys in the past like he's <laughs> yeah, dug into a million vanilli <laughs> i thought he took it easy like in that uh, the only thing he said was uh hey what's going on you guys i guess uh blame it on the rain huh that's yeah, what he said to me yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it but there was no further no i thought when these Millie vanilli looking motherfuckers came <laughs> into that scene i'm like he's gonna bury them like will's gonna bury them like 10 feet under instead it didn't happen right which surprised me, um, but it was fine. It was fine. I think, you know, this is another one. That, yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, Millie Vanilli, uh, Grammy Award winning uh, group, and you can go on YouTube and there's all kinds of uh, of documentaries. It's a, kind of a really sad story looking at it with 2022 eyes. Yeah, but looking back, it really is. Basically, these two really good looking guys, um, models, and... <clears throat> 
they were managed by this guy who was the actual person singing. But these two guys went out there and lip synced and and they did really basic music and choreography and stuff like that. And uh, you can go onto YouTube and watch uh, tons of documentaries and things like that, even interviews with these guys and um, and get the rest of the story. But it's just so cringy watching it. And and there's even like clips of them on like uh, television shows. Where like the host will be like, hey guys, give us a little, give us a little something, you know? And they're like, oh, we don't know, you know, we don't know if people are ready for it right now. You got to come to the show tomorrow, whatever the fuck it is, right? So yeah. it's just really, really, uh, really, really sad. And um, I will, and they ended up winning a Grammy. And I believe the very next week or a short time later, they actually did a press conference where they returned the Grammy. And basically expose themselves as, you know, a product of this other thing. And from there, these two guys did try to release uh, an actual album as them, as uh, Rob Pilatus and uh, Fab Morvan. But of course, it wasn't um, it wasn't received well at all. Yeah. Um, at least obviously not to the not to the uh, the reception that the original um, uh, uh, Millie Vanilli incarnation would achieve. But I will say this: I, I'm, those Milli Vanilli songs are bangers, man. Like I still oh, go yeah. back and listen to them. Like you know, "Blame It on the Rain" and that other one, you know, like the, yeah. the famous songs. But uh, yeah, man, Milli Vanilli. And dude, it, it, part of the sadness is uh, I believe one of them or both of them have passed away since. I, I want to say well, at least one of them has passed away. But um, they became like the, the the butt of all jokes for like a really, really, really long time. I have no doubt what that must have done to their mindsets and things like that so yeah, yeah that's unfortunate about Millie Vanilli uh, yeah, a, a sad part of, uh, of music history if you guys want to know more about the Millie Vanilli uh, go on uh, YouTube or uh, go on the internet and uh, get more information on them guys Fashizi yeah it says here that Rob Pilatus died April 3rd 1998 so yeah 98 and then the other one is still alive Fab is still alive. Yeah. Goddamn. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, give us your zingers. Yes. Uh, I'll start with uh, Carlton talking to Will. Carlton says, uh, negotiating for a bigger royalty. And Will says, nah, better table. I got a business meeting tomorrow night at the Roxy. Boy, this management thing is love. Trust me, people tripping all over themselves just to make you happy. Hey, now I know a hammer must have felt the week he was famous. <laughs> God damn it. Monster energy drink? Oh, Chris Torres man. signs the album. <laughs> Chris, do you know what you signed up for? No, but they got free monster yeah, energy drinks. And I'm going to get my own fridge. <laughs> It would have been uh, the Robin Big and Chris show. <laughs> oh my gosh! Man, Even I though I can't, I can't skateboard. <laughs> And I'd, I'd be the fourth worst skateboarder on that show because even the, even his pet bulldog could skateboard. That's true. Yeah, that's right? crazy. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Big got on a skateboard a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, man. Poor Big smashed his ass once. I remember. Oh, <laughs> no. man. And big, big also passed away, right? Big passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a great little show. And we've talked about that show before. Just a, a product of its time on that MTV, son of a bitch. I actually... I'll talk more about this on the next cafe, but I got a really good haul at Value Village the other day. <laughs> but one thing I could talk about now, just because we're talking about Robin Big, I got 
the Viva La Bam collection on DVD, like just nice. on a whim. I just saw wow. it. I was like, no way. I didn't even know this was a thing. I just got it. <laughs> Five bucks. That is such good, just garbage TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just because put it never, on in the background. You're never going to, unless you like try to download them, but that's hard to come by really. Like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, no way. This is a no brainer in the cart. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love all that garbage TV. Like, like, like Entourage to me is like, right. Yeah. I'm not dissing it. It's just bubble gum. It's, 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 it's junk exaggerated food. crap. And, and it's just, but it's fun to watch and Ari gold and yeah. all these fucking characters. It's just really good. And for one split second, you know, if you're a, if you're a young guy watching that show, you think that it's almost possible, even plausible that that would even happen to like a ra- right. Cause the whole story is this one guy, they're all, they're all, I believe they're from New Jersey. I could be wrong, but I think like they're all from New Jersey. They're just neighborhood. I'm talking about entourage. They're all like right. neighborhood kids. And then the one guy makes it and he brings all his buddies, including his brother who's trying to make it as an actor. And he brings all of them as like part of his entourage. And then, you know, the story goes from there. That's so funny. Um, so it's just whacking. You're watching that show and they go from like one week, they're just working their part-time jobs. And the next week they're going to like Jessica Alba's like house party with like a swimming <laughs> pool in Beverly Hills and shit. Right? Like it's, just, it's fucking wild. But the stories do happen like that, yeah. you know. Um, it can happen that fucking quick. So stuff like that, you know, Robin Big, the Viva La Bam, even like the the the, the Jackass movies, right? The early ones, the Jackass the television show. Yeah, all show. that stuff just falls in line there. Free Monster Energy drinks. That whole era was like something, <laughs> yeah, something else. Like if you didn't grow up in that era or like you weren't like into that era, like when you were like just watching TV, like it's hard to explain to young people. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was just something cool, even though it looked ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Give me your uh, final thoughts and your rating. Oh, no, my bad. And then the number one singer that I oh, had Oh, sorry. Here. I forgot. Sorry. My bad. No, no, no. It's when, uh, when Jerry DiCarlo meets, uh, meets Will. And he and he's trying to tell him that uh, you're still in control. He goes, "But you're the man, Will. You're the man. I'm just the man behind the man." And Will just looks at him and goes, "Yeah, huh? And what are you doing back there?" <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I don't know why. <laughs> what are you doing back there? Just like in a way that only Will can ask. You know? Damn, I must have just oh, not man. paid attention. But I find it way more funnier now than when I watched it. That's awesome. Yeah, because he said it like that. Uh huh. And what are you doing <laughs> back there? Like he's following. The Carlos example. Yeah, I'm just yeah, the man yeah. behind the man. Yeah, what are you doing, what are you right doing there? back there? <laughs> That's really good. That's amazing. So that is the zinger of the episode. <laughs> All right, now give me your uh, thoughts and ratings. All right, I gave the last episode a six. So I'm going to give this one a seven. I thought this episode, Ooh. I enjoyed it a little bit more. I laughed a little bit more. Um, obviously, an extension of the first episode. We'll leave that one alone. I thought this episode was good. And like I said, I forgot the, the I forgot the entire third act of this episode, which is kind of um, the, the 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 fame and the fortune and everything else has gotten to Ashley's head, and now the family's dealing with it. Because uh, for some reason, I thought the episode was going to end when Will comes back home, but yeah. it's like no, no, no. Well, he needs to come home because there's other shit going on. And when he comes back home, you know, Viv hits him with that. Uh, you missed me. He goes, yeah, yeah. Especially what did she say to him? It's hard to, it's hard to hit you upside the head when yeah, you're not here. When you're not around. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I thought that was really good. Um, I thought this was a funnier episode. I thought this episode flowed a lot better. 
Excuse me. I thought this episode flowed a lot better uh, with respect to being a comedy uh, episode. Um, I thought the zingers were a little bit better and um, nice little bow tie at the end. We didn't need to go to Jesus. We just told the story about how realistically the music industry works or didn't work during that time. The fallout of that and the one thing about the one thing about Ashley is we do find out that she might have let the fame get to her head, but she is, she is at the end of the day like a Somebody that is supported by a really, really good family that's going to catch her when things like this happen. Yeah, definitely. Whereas, you know, I realize it's a 22-minute show and maybe we're reading too far into it, but sometimes people can get lost in drugs and alcohol and things like that or they don't know how to reclaim some of that glory, some of that fame that they want taste it and they, they want to taste it again but they can't mm-hmm. um, in this case it's a nice little bow tie at the end and we're all a big happy family and we're going to go on to you know season 5 episode 3 whatever's going to happen next um, so I thought that I thought that was good overall I enjoyed it better than uh, the first episode so I'm going to give this one uh, uh, a 7 out of 10 very nice alright I'm going to give this episode a 7 out of 10 as well um I did overall like this episode just a little more. It made me laugh more, like you said. I think it had more humor, but it also presented more uh, situations. Like it's kind of like in two acts within this episode of like kind of like how you said we have like the the later Ashley stuff, but we also have the beginning like Will as a manager stuff. So it's kind of cool that they managed to get that all in there without it feeling too crazy. But um, I think overall, like. It's a good episode. It's definitely memorable because it's the only time you're going to see these characters in these positions. I don't think you're going to see the music business again, but uh, that's why it's like it'll stick in your mind. But I mean, as an overall show, you know, it's a comedy show at the end of the day. It didn't make me laugh too, too much. That's kind of like primary grading and then maybe your, your storytelling and stuff. So I think seven is fitting because it's not bad. It's definitely pretty good, but it's it's nothing special. It doesn't stick out. It doesn't kill. It doesn't doesn't. um doesn't come out it doesn't come out swinging as much as i'd like to for a season five premiere kind of thing um so yeah if i had to rate both episodes as one i'd still give it a seven out of ten <laughs> but so it is what it is seven out of ten yeah if i had to give a rating to both of them it'd probably be like a seven right around there yeah i can't give it anything more than that because like for me once i start getting to like 7.58 territory those are the ones that come to the island with me Right. And while there were parts of both of these episodes that I enjoyed, I don't think I'm bringing it either of these two episodes to the island. I would much rather bring, uh, you know, Philadelphia story, for example, to the island. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, as wacky as even that episode was. But um, yeah, no, this is a, this is a fine intro to season five. I think we're seeing the next evolution of, uh, of, uh, of Ashley here. I think we're going to be seeing... Ashley in more adult sort of roles. Yeah. And maybe baby Nikki falls into the, the child storyline for the show, but we'll see. I can't remember baby Nikki in, in, in in any kind of real storylines, but maybe that's just me. And there's like a whole bunch, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't, nothing like an Ashley, nothing that Ashley ever had in like season one, but yeah, no, Baby Nikki is like a Jeffrey. Baby Nikki's like a just a background character, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I got you. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And that's it. Seven out of ten. 
That's it. Seven out of 10. Let us know. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Shoot us an email at podcastfresh2020 at gmail.com. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, love, Facebook at Podcast Fresh, and Twitter at Podcast Fresh TO. On the Instagrams, you can follow Ryan at uh, official underscore acapello. Nice. Is that right? That's right. And you can follow me at Torres <laughs> Unlimited. Uh, Ryan, next week we got two new episodes. I'm going to be taking on Reality Bites. This is the one where Will reluctantly takes Nikki to the mall to see the child hero Doogie the Whale. Or Dougie the whale. When Dougie starts yelling at the stagehands, Will talks to Dougie to behave for the children. Oh, that might be good. Nice. And uh, Pac-Man takes on grumpy young men. While on a double date, the girl Will wants kisses Carlton. This results in a wrangle. Meanwhile, Philip and Hillary try to teach Ashley to drive a car. So there wow. you go. That's the, uh, that's the fun in games. Uh, Pac-Man, anything to add before we get on out of here? Not at all. Um, I can totally relate to the title Grumpy Young Men right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's, Ryan's grumpy right now because, number one, he's nervous over the fact that he has to perform live tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Friday the 19th. Uh, the 9th. But also, uh, you have a pulled pork sandwich waiting for you that, uh, yeah, that you've, just, been, uh, you've been thinking about for the last hour. I haven't eaten since 12, so it's like... <laughs> super oh hungry God. and yeah tomorrow i am performing at the dakota tavern not that it matters because by the time this episode comes i would have either bombed or killed it so yeah we'll find out next time we'll find out <laughs> on the next episode yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no nah, it should be good all right thank you folks for downloading the show check out the rest of the shows on the podcast fresh network we'll be back shortly with a cafe uh check out the previous cafe we have a ton of stuff up there as well the last wrestling podcast my review on uh clash at the castle which sounds like it was a lifetime ago based on everything that happened with the aew show good god uh, but there will be another last wrestling podcast as well on the aew show and i'm working on one called uh cm punk versus the world where we all know what happened last weekend, or most people know what happened last weekend. has been talked to death. What I'm going to do is just do a quick little timeline, and, and we're going to bring up what exactly Hangman Page said that set off CM Punk to, to basically go after everybody, and we'll be taking a look at that. News is breaking every day. As of right now, everybody in that fight seems to have been suspended so cm punk the young bucks omega cm punk's hurt so he's going to be out another nine to ten months yeah so i mean that's no matter what would have happened with suspensions and things like that you're going to lose punk for nine ten months anyway which is just chaotic it's forced to forfeiture of the world title forfeiture of the tree eels championship so uh tons more stuff that i'm sure is going to break but i'll be looking at that on the last wrestling uh podcast pac-man anything else to add my brother no that's it all right, go eat your pulled pork sandwich, uh, and we'll let everybody know how next week goes or how tomorrow goes with Ryan's performance. And thank you again for downloading. We'll catch you guys next time on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on the Podcast Fresh uh, Network. Good night. Podcast Fresh. I started feeling sick uh, that Friday that we did the the cafe. Remember that show? Oh yeah, that's right. You were like googly eyed. And I, was I don't bron- know if you. I was bronchitis the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I don't know if you heard it. Well, yeah, obviously you heard it back because you, you fucking edited it. Oh well, yeah. But <laughs> but I was like coughing all over that thing. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. I was listening to it. I was like, holy shit.
You and were from just there, a little, I, I just got you were, worse. You were off with your energy a little bit. Like I was like, shit, it's like not slurring your words, but like something like that. You guys could tell like the energy was just off. It was like <laughs> the way you usually go at it. It's like, my, yeah, he's like slogging it right now. <laughs> my eyes were hurting my fucking temples and I'm pretty much uh, almost, I don't want to say hundred percent. I'm definitely a lot better. I just feel a like congestion like right here. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so still like a lot of like blowing my nose, not runny nose, but just like blowing yeah. it on purpose. Like trying to clear myself oh, up. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. trying to get through this set without, without like any problems, but I'll cough. So I'm like fucking worried about that. So what I did, I recorded a lot of ad libs on the beats. So now yeah. I can try to t- maybe take a break from talking for like a two seconds or something. Right. But yeah, it's going to be interesting tomorrow. God damn it. I just had to be sick too. It should be Okay. I've accepted the fact that, like, if I suck, I suck. I'm just going to get a drink after. <laughs> I, get a, I get a free drink ticket. <laughs> I like that. Just just remember, just do a crip walk if everything else fails. I don't even know how to do that. Remember, uh, have you ever seen that clip of Ashley Simpson where she where the music's playing, but, but she's not really singing? You ever seen that? No. Oh, my God. It happened on SNL. So Jessica Simpson has a younger sister, Ashley Simpson. She tried to break into like music, but she had this one performance on SNL. And most artists, when they go on SNL, like you do it live. Yeah. And uh, the music started playing before, like before anybody even like was playing an instrument. Oh. So she got exposed like really quickly. Fuck. Actually, I I never about this. Yeah. And as soon as it started happening... She 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 broke into like this little two step, this little dance. Dude, it is as cringy as I'm describing it. <laughs> she just started doing like this little like I don't even know what the fuck you would call that little dance. Oh, and man. then uh they went to commercial. And when they came back from that was her slot. That was her slot to do the song. Yeah. So when they came back from commercial, like they do the thing at the at the end of SNL where the whole cast is there and everybody's there. And she's like, oh, my God, guys, I'm so sorry. We, we didn't have the right music, blah, blah. But it was like, man. Wow. And after that, they just had a fucking field day with it. It became like insta-memed. Yeah. Wow, so, yeah, that's awesome. Ashley Simpson. <laughs> I'm pretty sure now she's on uh, America's Got Talent. Pretty sure. Oh, that's ironic. It yeah. must be the UK version. I <laughs> <laughs> buries the UK. Goddamn. <clears throat> All right, whenever you're ready, we'll get into this. Yeah, I want to get through this because I got some Montana's waiting. Shit. Goddamn. What'd you get, a steak and wings, you piece of shit? I got a pulled pork sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> With the fries. Jeez. All right. Podcast Fresh.